as I said earlier, this letter from for Timothy, this letter was written by Paul. Uh, he was incarcerated at the time when he wrote this letter to Peter, I mean to Timothy. And I guess Timothy, I don't know if Timothy really knew Paul's backstory. I don't think Timothy understood how, what kind of man Paul was before he believed in Christ, of, well, before he was made to believe in Christ because Paul didn't have a regular conversion uh, like most people. So in, when we look at Paul's life, and Paul said, even though I was a, formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and man of, a man of violence, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. That's, chapter, that's first, verse 13. When you look at scripture, there are so many different things where you're trying to learn, you're trying to understand things. But hopefully what today is, what I can bring to you, I can show you on screen, on forth what scripture says. I'm not gonna try to read it to you myself, but I want you to learn it. It's, the name of the service, uh, the sermon should be cultivating spirituality. So to grow in God, you need to know these things for yourself. So you will see some things come up on the screen. For instance, when Paul first showed up on the scene, Paul was known as Saul. He was the antagonist. In, Paul, in chap, Acts chapter 7, Paul was there, I mean Saul was there with the Pharisees when Stephen was stoned. And that means that when he was being stoned, uh, before he was stoned, all the people there with the religious people, they was taking their cloaks and they were laying them at, Paul, at Saul's feet. And it says later in chapter, in Acts chapter 8, that Saul was so, so excited to persecute Christians, so excited to persecute people who believed in Jesus Christ, that he went and got marching orders from the, the priests in Jerusalem and said, give me orders that I can go to Damascus and I can bring those people back or I can snatch them out of their homes. I can do whatever I can to stop this way. Because you got to understand, Paul was very religious. Paul was a Pharisee. And Pharisees believed in every letter of the law. Most of the time when you saw Jesus teaching or he was healing someone, it was the Pharisees who were always saying, this is blasphemy. This is against God. How can he heal somebody and say, be healed? Because Jesus was no ordinary man, so he can say those things. But they didn't understand that. And then you had the Sadducees. You know, they didn't believe in a resurrection, but that is why they were sad, you see. Then you had the scribes. You had so many different religious believers during that day who didn't understand a relationship with God. And that's what Christ brought to us. The name of, under the name of religion, Christ was crucified. Because most people think it was the state. It was the wrong government who killed Jesus. No. It was religion because he didn't do things the same way. It wasn't the same 
practice. So it was those religious leaders. It was those ones who thought that my way is better. But any person who says that evil of taking a life, as I said, I'm a creation. I believe in creation. Any person that believes in taking a life and you can't give a life is evil. Also, religion over the years have killed many, have terrorized, has generated extremists, not loved, hated others because of their race, their nationality, their sex. Religion believes you earn your salvation by following the law. And that's the reason Paul said, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was all those things because that's what I believed. You know, not many years ago, um, there was a, a, a good, pretty good minister. And he said this concerning religion because there were people who were saying, oh, if these people would just believe their lives would be saved. But he said this. Any religion that claims to be concerned about a man's soul and not concerned about the social conditions that damn a man is a dry as dust religion. Religion deals with both men's souls and the social conditions that they live in. That man was Martin Luther King. Also, James, in the book of James, he said, what is pure religion? Pure religion, undefied religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit the orphans, the widows, and their, in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So you find oftentimes that people will hold on to their religious beliefs rather than turning to the God of creation, rather than hoping in a God that who, provide, who provides life. Later on in Timothy, Paul stated this, and the grace of our Lord overflows for me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And saying, this saying is true and worthy and full of acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. You know, as I said, Paul experienced this relationship with Christ. He was, saw the antagonist, right? So he's on his way to Damascus with marching orders to begin persecuting these believers who are calling themselves Christians. And as you can see in Acts, Paul' Paul's relationship forever changed with God during that time. It said that Paul was blinded because of the scales was on his eyes. But what Paul experienced that day was the unconditional love of God. It wasn't just love for Paul, but it's love that has gone down through generations 
is love today, that unconditional love that we get from God that we don't understand, that we can't understand. You know, I had a conversation with my daughter one day and she was like, well, dad, what would it take for you to stop loving me? And I was like, and I didn't understand unconditional love until I had a child. And I told her this right here, I said, one thing about my love for you, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter where you go, there is nothing that could ever stop me from loving you. I may not agree with everything that you do. It may disappoint me in things that you say or do, but you never have to worry about my love going away. And just think, that is God toward us. You never have to worry about God's love going away. One thing about unconditional love that most people don't quite understand is unconditional love doesn't require you to love back. God has loved us so much and so fervently, but yet and still there are so many of us who won't turn to him, but yet and still he still loves you. It doesn't take away his love. I will show you some examples of God's unconditional love. In Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Now you can read it for yourselves. As I tried to, I'm, I give you that information, the address, as I call it, of concerning Luke. And I was interested in that one day because I was like, if I mailed a letter, and many of you have in here are probably hadn't ever mailed a letter, not unless it was a bill, because most of you all have email addresses these days. But I say like this, if I had, if I was trying to send Adam Grisham an email, and I just put Adam Grisham in that search box and clicked it, you think it's gonna go to Adam? No, I'm gonna have to put his whole email in. That's just like, that's the reason I wanna give you the address of these things so that you can grow in your cultivation of spirituality through going and reading these stories for yourself. You can learn who God is, learn who Christ is, learn of the love of God. So in Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32, this is a story about the prodigal son. And many of you have heard this story. And this is the only place in scripture in the four gospels that the son, the prodigal son is mentioned in Luke. And you, of course, many of you know the story. But I want to concentrate on the verse in Luke, in verse 20, where the father is, the son has been gone a while. And he has gone and did his things. He spent all his father's money of, the, of his inheritance. And he said, well, I can go back to my father. And I can be a servant in my father's house and live better than I'm living right now. But it says in verse 20, his father saw him from a long ways away. So his father was expecting him. He was looking for him. And he ran to him and embraced him. That's unconditional love. 
That's God's unconditional love. Again, in John chapter 11, the raising of Lazarus. Did Jesus have compassion? Oh, yes, every day. But Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I know so, so often we think about eternal life as when we die. Once we die, we're going to have eternal life. According to Jesus, your eternal life began once you believed, once you trusted. So what can I do with that? That means that what you can do with that, you can do with this eternal life that you have, you can begin to live a life that's going to impact the world around you. Because you don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, we like watching movies in my house, and there was a movie that came out a while back, and it was called The Big Fish. And it was this young son telling the story about his dad who lived um, a very adventuresome life. And the father was able to live this adventuresome life because he saw, he stated in the movie that he knew how he was supposed to die. So he could try things and he would say, well, that's not how I'm supposed to die. So with you, it's the same way. When you begin this life of believing in God, believing in Christ as your savior, you now have eternal life. And I think what God wants for you is to live your life fearlessly not being concerned about the things that are happening around you, but to be a light wherever you go. So that means teacher, Christ should show up in the classroom. Realtor, Christ should show up in your interaction with other people. Homemaker, Christ should show up in your home because you are there and you are carrying his spirit with you. Also in Mark chapter, 20, chapter five, verses 25 to 23, God had compassion, Christ had compassion, showed his unconditional love toward a woman who had been hemorrhaging for years, who had spent all their money on doctors, on, on these different cures. And she said to herself, if I would just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. So she did. And there was, there was a huge crowd around. It wasn't just her and Jesus walking down the road. There was a huge crowd around and Jesus felt the healing power leave from his body. And he turned around and said, who touched me? And of course, his disciples wanted to give him a hard time. It was like, all these people, who touched you? Really? And so the woman stepped forward. It was our Lord. And Jesus knew her condition. He said, today, you are healed. 
not tomorrow, not next week, but he showed her the love that doctors couldn't heal. He showed her the love that only the living God could bring. And last but not least, there was the two blind men in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through 31. And I hope that you all will go back and you would read some of these things because these things helped you grow in God, helped you know who he is. And these two blind men sat by the side of the road and they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And you know, I read this when I was younger and I was like, Jesus just wasn't the son of David. So I call it Jesus, son of the living and true God, have mercy on me. And what did Jesus do? Jesus healed them and restored their sight. These are amazing acts of God's love toward us as his people. You may well ask yourself, since we've gave you a definition of religion and shown how people throughout time have used religion to gain favor with God, you may be asking yourself, um, so you're telling me I need to, cult to cultivate a spiritual relationship with God. Doesn't this mean that I'm being religious? Not at all. This simply saying, if you are growing spiritually because of your relationship with God through Christ, solely because of his love towards you, this is not religion, this is a relationship. So I hope that you would experience the relationship with God because he desires to have one with you. The next scripture, it was Paul was sent to Timothy, and yet this is the reason I found mercy, in order that in me, the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. You know, that's, you know, I've struggled sometimes with reading scripture and finding things that would tie in that can help me grow, but also in this opportunity, hopefully help you grow. You know, I grew up here in Memphis um, and I was raised by my grandparents. And I'm thankful that my mom and my uncle and my aunt is here today. Uh, but, you know, I was raised by my grandparents. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. And I remember sometimes when in the middle of the night I would walk by their room and I would hear him praying. And I think one time it really got to me because it was like, Father, I want you to help Lonnie become a man that you want him to be that he would know you and trust you. And those things were really personal, but for me. So right before I got ready to go to college, I was trying to work out because I was an, somewhat of an athlete. So I called myself, I was 
trying to do something. So um, as I was growing, like I say, God, early on, my grandfather and parents, they instilled Jesus in my life, which gave me an opportunity to continuously grow spiritually as a person. But when I was going, getting ready to go to college, I was out praying one morning, and I realized that I was running a lot. You know, I wasn't running long distances. I, I'm not a long distance runner. I would run maybe a mile, and then I would run sprints. And I would go to this little park not too far from our house, and I would sit there early in the morning. The sun would just be coming up. And it was there when I was alone that I found out that God can talk to you. And what he did was he talked to me. He walked with me. And he told me that I was his own. And the joy that we share, nobody else can understand. That's my prayer for you. That you would understand that God wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you, and he wants to give you all that you need. And I know that some of you say, well, Lonnie, you don't understand the pain that I've gone through. You don't understand how, quote, Christians have hindered me, have made me not trust God. You don't understand how my parents may have disappointed me or let me down. Look. I may never understand those things, but one thing that I do understand is that God is a God of, of much love. And one time, at one point in our lives, we didn't understand. I'm telling you, there is no, nothing wrong with questioning God. There is nothing wrong at all with questioning God. And two years ago in our lives, we had a middle child who took their life. And I remember so often people was like, well, you'll get over it. That's nothing you can ever get over. And you know, that person was a sibling, they were a child, they were a lover, they had an active life, they were an artist. And to deal with those pains, just like I say, sometimes you, you don't understand, and you'd be like, God, why? But when you look closely in scripture, you say, God will bring you comfort when you don't understand. He would bring you joy in the midst of all the adversities. God would be there in your pain and hurt. Disappointment that I experienced continuously to be experienced. But you're correct that God knows us in the deepest parts of who we are. 
In the deepest parts of our pain, his grace is deeper. In the deepest part of our fear, his presence is deeper. So let's have a hope about tomorrow. Let's have a hope about today that the God we serve is alive and well. So as Timothy get, if Paul get to the end of his, toward the middle of the end of his letter to Timothy at verse 17, he said this, to the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So yeah, when you look at things in your life and things hadn't gone as planned, the death of a spouse, the death of a child, a loved one who just don't understand. You can look back at your life and say, the God of creation loves you. The God of creation loves me. You know, one thing that I love about the book of Revelations is it's not the end of the story, it's the beginning of who God is with us. So in Revelations it says, there I saw a great multitude from every race, every nation, and every tribe. And what were they doing? Worshiping God. So sometimes we find ourselves segregated because of race, because of religion, because of sexuality. But I'm here to tell you today, there's going to come a time when we are together with God and none of those things are going to matter. We're going to be like the 24 elders who sat around the thrones with crowns upon their heads. And what, what, most of the time you think of somebody with a crown, they, they're important, right? So these people are sitting around with crowns upon their head, and it says that they were tossing their crowns before the throne and saying, worthy is the lamb, worthy and honor and thanksgiving and praise go to the lamb who was slain for our sins and our iniquities. So at the cross, in Revelation, they said that though our sins be as scarlet, his blood shall wash them white as snow. So my hopes for you today, Christ City, for those of you who are here in the sanctuary, for those who may be watching from home, my prayer is that you would find and experience the love of God through Christ Jesus that you would know, as I was talking to Kevin one day, Kevin uh, Matisse, and we were having this conversation, and it was like, I hope and pray that you would know that you know that you know that the assurances of God doesn't leave, that they are there. And you don't have to fear anymore because you serve a living and true God who won't ever stop loving you. So I want to close with this scripture right here. I told you I wouldn't take that long, but it seems like I have taken a little bit longer than I anticipated. So I want to close with this scripture right here. And this is an assurance for you. And it's found in the book of Revelations. Not in the book of, I'm sorry. It's found in the book of Romans, 
verse 8 through 34 and 35. And it says this, I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor things present, not things to come, not principalities, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can ever separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Know those things. So as you get away, get an opportunity to go away to college, know that you are loved by God. As you get an opportunity to go to school, know that you are loved by God. As you get an opportunity to go to work, know that you are loved by God. And these words of love just isn't some small things, but it's, it's, it's life-changing. And I'll tell you this, hopefully each and every one of us can grow, cultivate our relationship with the living God. And what best way to spend time with God is to know him and trust him for your healing. Trust him with your hurt. Trust him with your broken hearts. Trust him with the stuff that when things are so painful, you can't even speak words. But he is there. 